welcome to On Focus, brought to you by the Focal Therapy Clinic, where we connect you with issues facing men diagnosed with prostate cancer that are little known, less understood, and often avoided or even ignored. Prostate cancer is now the most commonly diagnosed cancer in the UK, and with this somber fact comes a multitude of challenges and opportunities. I'm Claire Delmar. Joining me today is Tony Collier, Ambassador Awareness, Speaker and Fundraiser for Prostate Cancer UK. Tony's a dedicated runner and a passionate believer in the transformative benefits of physical exercise. He's here to share his views on exercise for men with a prostate cancer diagnosis, born out of his personal experience and that of his many supporters and followers on social media. Tony, welcome. Thank you so much for joining me today. Hi, Claire. Great to be with you. What and a wonderful we've... day as well. Glorious blue sky and sunshine. It's fantastic. Well, not so much where I am, but um, I know we both had our morning runs and we, we see each other on Twitter and seem to compare notes on our respective daily runs. And I, I find that incredibly uplifting. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you have been incredibly motivational for lots of people and you're also a master on social media. And I wanted to just tap into that today and get you to share some of your insights, both that you've gained from yourself and from your experience with all the people you know. And I thought we'd just start off by commenting on your running because that seems to be your main form of exercise. And, you know, you've been a very keen runner. You're an inspiration to many men with prostate cancer on exercise and fitness. So were you always a runner or was it something you took up after your diagnosis? Actually, I started quite late in life before my diagnosis. When I was 45, I had a medical from my company and it turned out that they said I was borderline clinically obese and my blood pressure was so high that I'd be on drugs the rest of my life if I didn't do something about it naturally. So I chose to do something naturally and the gym where I played a bit of social squash had a very informal running club and I decided to join them and then two years later we became a properly affiliated running club. And uh, a love of running was born. So that was 45. I ran my first marathon when I was 50 and said never again. Where was that? Uh, it was in Amsterdam in 2007. And uh, Amsterdam has become a place that's very much part of our life because my, uh, my brother-in-law lives there. And I've actually since run the Amsterdam Marathon again before my diagnosis. And then uh, before, I think back in 2019, my entire running club went over to take part in the Amsterdam Marathon Festival. But I just ran the 8K because marathons are a bit of a challenge nowadays but absolutely yeah adored running and really became quite proficient at it and got got down to uh, a pb for marathon of 323 wow which i set when i was about 54 hmm. and i was still running you know went competitively i was still running in the 330s when i was 58 59 before my diagnosis at age 60. Wow, that is impressive. So how has your experience with prostate cancer affected your attitude? I mean, not so much your performance, but, but your attitude towards fitness and running. My first question when I got my diagnosis to the oncologist was, most people would say, how long have I got to live? And that was actually in the back of my mind. But my first question was, will I still be able to run? And uh, the oncologist said, yeah, you'll be able to run, but you'll be a lot slower because hormone therapy is going to cause you uh, to slow down and you won't be able to run as far because of issues with bone density. So my attitude to it was that I wanted to carry on running for as long as possible. And it was a really massively important part of my life. I do lots of things with my running club. You know, we go abroad every year in normal years. And so it was really important for me to keep going. But I have to say that it was really tough for the first probably 18 months, two years. I sort of lost the plot a bit because from being one of the faster runners at the running club to suddenly being one of the slower runners through no fault of my own I found really difficult it was mentally quite challenging I'm sort of over that now I still sort of mourn the old days of being a 22 minute 5k runner and 
you know, I had a best of 1953 for 5k and now I'm lucky if I do a 26, but you know, some people are really, would be really happy with 26. So I shouldn't mm-hmm. complain too much. I'm still mm-hmm. running and that's the most important thing. And it's just so important to my life. No, indeed. I mean, it, obviously because you've been competitive, that's kind of your benchmark, but the fact is you're still doing it. Yeah. I think it's just a, a change of mindset. I'm sort of in a, in a better place with it now. My friends in the running club who, are, who I would consider to be, you know, comparators, uh, they're my be- be benchmark and I can see what times they're doing. And I'm thinking I, I should be faster than that, but I, I can't. And hey-ho, I think the most important thing from my viewpoint was staying involved with the running club, staying involved with running. But actually, I think the most important part was that running was really good for my mental and physical well-being. Some days you come back from a run and you feel absolutely amazing, don't you? It's just mm-hmm. you get that incre- like this morning, this incredible runner's high um, because you're running great. The skies are blue, the sun's shining and you can't ask for any more in your life. And then another day, you know, you go out and try and do a run and it's just a complete miserable failure. I've reached the point where the failures stop mattering anymore and, you know, you live for the good runs. I mean, the other thing about running as a form of exercise, of course, is that it, it's been the least if at all affected by lockdowns so you know you're lucky that that's kind of your your sport of choice i think the most amazing thing that we've noticed during lockdown and i think this is something that my running club wants to capitalize on is the fact that there are so many more people out running than ever before yeah. i've never seen so many people out running yeah. it's fantastic well there's not much um, else to do <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there, is, there is that so i mean your work as an advocate for men with prostate cancer has connected you with hundreds i mean correct me and maybe it's thousands um, of people affected by and, and living with this disease so what are you hearing from them about exercise and what messages do you want to send to them i think if we just sort of part the prostate cancer a little and just think about cancer in general mm-hmm. I think there is a whole conversation happening now with healthcare professionals about the benefits of exercise for people living with and beyond cancer it's very clear that some people were massively unfit before they had their cancer diagnosis and that limits what they can do post-cancer diagnosis and I think it's it's one of those things that's uh, really difficult the message really is that there is something that everybody can do now not everyone I know mean, last year I climbed Ben Nevis mm. um, and since my diagnosis I've run the London Marathon and this year I'm taking on a 100 kilometer ultra marathon which I'm going to do as a walk with a little bit of running Hmm. Um, wow. Now, not, every, not everybody can do that. You know, uh-huh. I'm living with terminal prostate cancer, but there is something for everybody. And this is, this is the most important message I try to get across to people. There are even chair based exercises that people can do. And I think that's a really important thing that people need to get in the mind that, you know, not everybody can climb a mountain, not everybody can run a marathon, but everybody can do some form of exercise. Uh-huh. And I think the most important thing is get the heart rate elevated even if it's just literally sit to stand from a chair, you know, do that 20 times and see if it elevates your heart rate. That's a great exercise. And so there's loads and loads of chair-based exercises. And I really try to encourage people to do something that works for them and to look for areas where they can get support. And I've been really blessed to become a patient representative for Prehab for Cancer in Greater Manchester. Mm -hmm. What Uh, is that? Prehab was originally an initiative set up in 2019 and the idea was for three particular tumour groups, they didn't go for the big tumour groups for obvious reasons because it was only a pilot scheme. Mm-hmm. It was to immediately somebody gets a diagnosis of cancer, they go into a prehab programme to get them fitter for surgery. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then when they come out of surgery, they go into the sort of post-op phase and then they go into rehab. 
Mm-hmm. And what we were trying to do was trying to prove that basically, even with only a six-week window between diagnosis and surgery, you can make a massive difference to people's fitness levels. Mm-hmm. And that, that's what we set out to achieve. And I think we're so far doing a pretty good job of it. So can you give us some examples? I mean, um, is it conclusive or is it um, simply encouraging, which, again, would be a good thing? What, what are some examples of, of how it would be encouraging? The idea, basically, is that people see it as part of their treatment plan. Okay. Um, and it's not compulsory. People don't have to take part, but they are actively encouraged to take part. It's all the leisure trusts in Greater Manchester are part of it. They have specialist cancer rehab trained personal trainers uh, in all leisure trusts in Greater Manchester. And basically, people go straight into the programme. They're given a referral. They're contacted by one of the PTs, personal trainers. And they were doing this face to face in the gyms, in groups or individually in, in, uh, in the gyms. Um, and it's basically been proven to be a massive success. Myself and one of the and the other patient rep did some focus groups uh, for the patients who had been through the program. And I remember vividly one 72 year old guy. He said, "I've never been in a flipping gym before in my life." He said, "But well, now it's such a big part of my life. I can't see me ever not going to the gym." Wow. And what what we've seen um, are, are some outstanding results. So what the guys do is um, either a, an incremental a shuttle test or a six minute walking test to assess people's baseline fitness. Mm-hmm. And then over the six week period prior to surgery, they basically do a program that's specifically designed for that individual that fits in with what they're capable of. Okay. And they then do those tests again just before surgery. And what we've seen is the baseline level has increased significantly pre op mm-hmm. And obviously, when they come out from surgery, they drop back down below baseline, um, but then go into rehab once they've recovered from surgery. And what we're finding is their recovery is much quicker and they get back above the pre-surgery levels very quickly. Wow. The most amazing outcome of this, of course, is that patients are getting out of hospital more quickly, which is wonderful for the NHS. And that's actually part of what we're trying to prove to the NHS commissioners that this really works. It's saving hmm. money. I mean, it's so almost like, a form of social prescribing as they, you know, it, it would seem to fit into, into that agenda, perhaps. Yeah, it, it absolutely does. And I think that you know, one of the patients said to me, you know, I, I was out of bed inside four days, he said, and I was told I'd probably be 10 days. And the other people around me who hadn't been through the programme were still in bed when I left. That's really interesting. I mean, because everything depends, as you know, on evidence before it actually gets, you know, instituted. I mean, what evidence on links between exercise and and prostate cancer specifically motivates you? I mean, obviously what you're telling me is one one area, but is there anything else that that you can cite that is particularly motivating? Well, I I think exercise is obviously really important for prostate cancer, particularly for men who are having prostatectomies. Because obviously pelvic floor exercises um, before surgery are really, really important so that people gain continence more quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think the biggest thing for, that motivates me to sort of encourage people living with and beyond prostate cancer is, is about mental well-being more, as, as much as physical well-being. I think it's just amazing to get out into the fresh air and just get the heart rate elevated, even if it's just a fast walk. And I think when you get back, you always feel better. And that's the message I really try to get across to people who are living with and beyond prostate cancer. The motivation really is that it will make you feel 
better mentally. From my viewpoint, this is a very personal thing. Mm-hmm. I was given, given a worst case prognosis of two years. And I exercise like I do because I think it will extend my prognosis. Mm-hmm. And if I believe if I believe that, then why shouldn't it? Oh, absolutely. I mean, and you're really good at that in, in inspiring others. I mean, we touched on this a few minutes ago, but, you know, the past year has presented so many challenges to engaging in exercise, you know, on both on obviously on an organized level, but even as individuals. And for those who can't go out and take a run or you know, for some reason, find that difficult. It's really important that, you know, you have a set of other, you know, whether they're chair-based or, or other. I mean, how have you personally coped with the, the challenges that the pandemic has wrought? And what advice would you give to others based on that? It, it's really interesting because at the first lockdown, I literally had a real sort of mental meltdown because life was just put on hold. And when you're living with a terminal prognosis, that's the last thing you want. Um, and I'd li- sort of lost my running mojo and my wife said to me at the sort of tag end of April, why don't you try to run 5K every day in May? You need a target. You need a challenge in life. Mm. So I set out to do that. And I ran at least 5K every day in May. And at the end of May, I thought, well, what on earth do I do now? I need I need some motivation. So at the moment, I'm up to day 306 or something like that. of actually running or hiking every single day since the 1st mm. of May. Mm. <laughs> some days I've done both. Yeah. I mean, I right. noticed that because you're, you, is it Strava that you use where you share your um, running and hiking routes? Yeah. I, I mean, that's think, a very powerful bonder for people, you know? I think now it's become a bit obsessive. And so the streak <laughs> will end. Uh, it will end after a year. Um, and then I'm going to go back to doing four or five days a week. But I think the other aspect of lockdown that's been really difficult is um, I'm one of the two coaches at our running club. And the other one is now living in Lanzarote. So I basically took up the cudgels of dealing with all the issues as far as COVID was concerned for the club, and I became our COVID compliance officer. That has presented lots of challenges. Because the club is actually split between two particular areas um, in South Manchester, partly in Trafford and partly, which is Greater Manchester, and partly in Cheshire East, we had a problem that we actually couldn't have the two people crossing boundaries. And so we had to find a way to keep the club going and activated and moving. And that, for me, was the massive organisational problem that I had to deal with as the COVID compliance officer for the club and the coach. And I'm really proud that we were the first club locally to get back running as a group. And we have carried on running as a group until this lockdown. And we will be the first back on the 31st of March. You got that date sealed in your mind, huh? Yeah, we know 29th of March we're allowed. Our our next club run is the Tuesday and we are going to go for it. And then we'll be back running together in a covid compliant way to start off with you know that means small groups yeah uh, it means away from other people but we will be back running as a group and i do think running as a group is incredibly motivational no indeed especially after after this time but well i will look forward to seeing your strava updates and um, um who knows you might even see me joining you on strava and, and sharing my probably rather yeah. pathetic runs compared to yours. But listen, Tony, it's been so wonderful speaking with you again. And thank you so much for, for coming along and sharing your incredibly motivational running tips and exercise tips. Thanks again. An absolute pleasure. Good to speak to you. A transcript of this interview is available on our website, where you can also access additional interviews and stories from men living with prostate cancer. Visit www.thefocaltherapyclinic.co.uk. Thanks for listening. And for me, Claire Delmar, see you next time.